uh, we, we've been doing this series on authentic prayer. And authentic prayer in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of communication with God, in terms of the way that we as people are able to relate to God and trust Him with all of our hearts. And uh, we've done a couple of messages on this already. Um, what we've really wanted to do through the series is just get down to the roots of what prayer really is. Not all the religious hustle and bustle and all the, the, you know, all the protocols and all the religious kind of steps and, and ways to approach. Do I use candles? Do I not use candles? Do I get on my knees? Do I not get on my knees? Is there a specific prayer voice? You know, some people have their own prayer voice. Like they'll talk normally and then when, and then when they start praying, it's like, oh, Father, you know, who art in heaven. It's like you need, your voice needs to sound more holy which normally involves adding bass um, so that God can respond, you know. And, and so we get caught up in all these religious things, and we said, hey, what is prayer? What is prayer really? What is it to communicate with God? And, and how can we have, as imperfect people, this genuine, heartfelt conversation, this communication, this trust between us and God? And what we said the last time we were together is that the more you know the heart of God, the more you know the gospel, the more you know the love that God has towards you, what will end up happening is you'll pray both more and less. You'll pray more frequently. In other words, you'll just be more ready to pray without a certain protocol, without having to take certain steps. You'll just open up your mouth and you'll just start praying. So you'll pray a lot more frequently, but you'll also pray a lot less in terms of religious repetition because you won't feel like you need to say the same thing again and again and again and again in order for God to actually hear you. So there's a trust that comes that if I say, if I open up my mouth and I ask of God that he actually hears and answers. The faith comes from knowing the goodness of God. And so, and so our prayer life, in order to have an authentic prayer life, it's really connected to what we believe about God. It's really very intricately connected to our trust in God and our belief in the gospel. And so the scripture we've been looking at each week is uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And so if you have your Bibles here this morning, uh, go ahead and open them up to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. We're going to just start here again this morning, and I'm reading this from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Uh, but in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. Without faith, without believing in the righteousness that you have in Christ, without knowing what God has done for you, what Jesus has done for you, it's impossible for you to walk with God and to please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. If we're going to approach God, we have to have faith in our hearts that He truly exists and that He is a rewarder, that He is good, that He is true, that He cares about us. If I go, uh, I'm going to just read from two verses earlier here in Hebrews 11 uh, by going to verse 4. And it speaks about this kind of faith because I'm going to kind of focus on that a little bit today um, in this message uh, that I've entitled Naturally Supernatural. Naturally Supernatural. Uh, Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith, that is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, the universe, and the ages were framed and created, formed, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, we know that it is God who spoke all things into being. 
He formed the earth. He formed the universe. He formed the ages. And if God is the one, if we believe that this God who we approach is the one who formed the ages, the universe, and all of creation, then we'll begin to understand that everything that exists today that is physically seen came out of that which was once invisible in the physical realm. So everything that exists physically came out of that which was spiritual. And so I want to talk about being naturally supernatural this morning. But before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much that this morning we can see not just physically, Lord. We can experience not just physically the things that are around us, Lord, but we can begin to sense your supernatural presence in this place. We can experience your supernatural uh, voice speaking to us, your spirit moving in this place, and that the eyes of our hearts are what is being enlightened this morning, not just our minds or our physical senses, but that you are speaking to us in the spiritual, in the supernatural, God. And we thank you, God, for revelation. We thank you for, for eyes that are opened up, eyes of our hearts that are opened up so that we can uh, grow in our faith and in our walk with you. And we give you all the glory for this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. So it's summertime now here in South Africa. It's Christmas time. Uh, next, next Sunday, it'll be uh, December already. And uh, if you've been wondering, I don't know exactly what the time is to put your Christmas tree up. Is there like an acceptable date? Is it the 1st of December? So you can all go ahead and put your Christmas trees up this week. Some of you are like, oh, mine's already been up since October. Um, and so Christmas is this funny time. There's always this, this weird thing that happens in South Africa over Christmas, which is that we all really like the idea of snow over Christmas, but it only really snows in Joburg for like 10 minutes every 30 years. So we never get to really experience the whole snow effect of Christmas. So I always feel strange kind of handing out a Christmas card that has a Christmas tree covered in snow in it. I'm like, this is not our context. We should have a beach umbrella with a beach ball and then like some, some gifts, you know, or something like on a card. That's, somebody should make South African Christmas cards. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome uh, because it's summer for us here uh, in South Africa. Uh, we're not drinking hot cocoa or drinking eggnog or having a white Christmas snowed in to a cabin somewhere uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, we're all busy at this time of year normally getting ready for our summer holidays. And people get re ready for, for summer holidays in, in different ways, but many of you over the next couple of weeks will probably at one point or another be lounging at a swimming pool somewhere or lying on the beach uh, or enjoying, you know, the sunshine around a braai with some friends. And so this is also kind of by default the time of year where gyms get a little bit more packed than usual, right? The gym gets packed right now. Because what people realize is that 11 months of bad eating now have to be undone in three weeks, right? They get their calendars up and they're like, I have three weeks to lose 11 months, sometimes more, of bad eating. And what's so crazy is, is that we like, we just eat and eat and eat and we're like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. Like, have I picked up a bit of weight? No, nah, I think I'm fine. And then you go to the gym one day. All of a sudden you realize, man, I need to go to the gym. And then you go to the gym one day and literally you're like, why am I not losing weight yet? It's like... You know, one day, you've only been there once, so you won't lose anything yet. But, uh, you know, this is kind of the time where, where people go through that kind of thing where you try on your clothes that you had last summer and they don't fit anymore. And then you kind of go to the, go to the store to buy some more clothes and you have those change room meltdowns uh, where you cry and you have to phone a friend and someone has to come to the store and help you. Um, and, uh, and, and, then, and then normally people go to gym. And um, so when it comes to physical fitness... 
Um, this has been my worst year ever, okay? So I'm just going to tell you up, up front, it's been my worst year ever. Having small kids, uh, a church planting schedule, and very little sleep has meant that I have only been to gym a handful of times this year, and uh, it's been pretty feeble. Um, and so in, in this week, um, Chris kind of forced me, and he was like, come, we've got to get back into gym. And so I sheepishly went back to gym this week. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, as guys, we're always determined to not show that we've lost ground, you know. So I, I want to lift the same weights I was lifting eight months ago the last time I was there. And so I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to, you know, we're going to superset this thing. We jumped right into it. And all of a sudden, I'm forcing my muscles to do these crazy things that they haven't done for months. And I can just imagine if my muscles were having a conversation with me, how they would be like, what are you doing? Like, why can we not just go back to the couch? The couch was way better. We were happy on the couch. Why do you need to do this? You know, and just like, just my muscles were moaning about the fact that I was out there. Like, what is wrong with the life we had before? We were all happy. And so literally like 15 to 20 minutes into this, uh, this gym session, my, my blood sugar drops and I am man down. And Chris was like, come, come, we've got it, we've got it. And I'm just like, dude, just leave me for a bit. I'm just, I'm not feeling well. Um, and so when, you, when you're not... Re- exercising your muscles regularly enough and not challenging your body regularly enough, you tend to become conditioned to the status quo. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, how we just become conditioned to the natural, how we become conditioned to the status quo, because we don't exercise our faith regularly enough. We don't allow the muscles and our, and our spiritual faith, our, our, our belief in the goodness of God to actually be exercised. So yes, theoretically, we believe that there's a God and we believe that He's faithful and we believe that He's miraculous and we believe that He can do all things, but we're not actually going and putting those things in practice to say, okay, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to, to, to stand in faith uh, for something. And so we end up just accepting the status quo. Uh, the Bible highlights this tension. There's this tension that the Bible speaks about that we experience as human beings here on earth. And all of us feel this. All of us live in this. This is the reality in, within which we exist. And that is this tension between the physical world that we see around us and the reality of the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm, which is as real as the chair that you're sitting on today. As real as, as, as the person sitting next to you, there is a spiritual reality which involves God as the creator of heaven and earth, his, his angels that he created as servants to, to minister on behalf of us as God's people. Uh, there, there are demonic forces, rebellious forces, uh, an enemy of God that set out uh, to, to destroy the work of God on the earth. And we live in both a physical world but also a supernatural world. One is seen with the senses, with our five senses, and the other one is experienced spiritually and seen, as, as, as Paul writes about it, with the eyes of your heart, that your spirit actually has eyes, that your spirit actually has the ability to hear and perceive and to pick up. And so you can walk into a situation and physically it can look one way, but in your spirit you can perceive something different. You can feel that there may be something else at work within that environment. Your spirit can actually see and hear and perceive and communicate. And your spirit is the core of who you are. 
We call it the heart. So when you say you speak from the heart, we're speaking from the core of who we are. It's, it's your spiritual being, and that's the being. And the Bible says when God created Adam, that he, he put him together. He formed him out of the dust of the earth, and, and Adam was just a, a, a form. He was just a being. A, he was physically alive, but not spiritually alive. And then it says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils his own spirit, the Ruach spirit of God. And that spirit caused Adam to become a living being. And so we have a spirit. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a body. You are not your body. You just have one. Your body is what houses your spirit. And so this is the way that God has created us. And he's created us in this way. And so we experience the tension between the two worlds. I exist here on earth and I have physical limitations. I, you know, I, I sometimes wish I could just, if, I, if somebody could give me like a, a superpower, mine would be clicking my finger and being somewhere else because I'm just amazing how much time you would save doing that. But instead we have to walk and then we have to get into a car and then we have to drive and then we have to get out and then we have to walk a little bit further. And, and, and so we have these physical limitations here on earth. We can only be in one place. We can only uh, do certain things in the natural but we've got to understand that that me doesn't mean that we only exist physically. We don't just exist physically, we exist spiritually. And this is why human beings have the ability to have a true and genuine relationship with God. Why can you pray? And you, you don't necessarily drive through the Kruger and see an Impala kind of on his knees praying. Or, or the lion that's about to eat that imparter being like, for what I'm about to receive, I'm truly thankful. Because, because we as human beings are the ones that have been given the spirit to be able to communicate with God. And God's spirit is able to communicate with your spirit. It tells us in John 4 verse 24, Jesus actually says these words regarding worship and regarding fellowship and communication with God. He says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. We worship God from a spiritual place, from the core of who we are, not just by taking religious steps. And this is why Jesus said, if you're praying like, like the unbelievers, like, like the heathens pray, where you just think that it's this religious thing where if you say enough words, you'll tip God's, God's will in your favor, then stop doing that because that's not what prayer is about. This is not a religious thing. This is not about fulfilling a religious duty. This is not about ticking a little religious box that, that you put onto a to-do list of how to be a good person for the week. Prayer is not something that we just do in the physical. It's our hearts communicating with God. And so Jesus says, if you're going to worship me, if you're going to have relationship with me, if you're going to communicate with me, let it be in spirit. And let it be according to the truth of who God is the truth of who we are in Christ. Worship in spirit and in truth. When we worship God, when we pray, when we communicate, when we speak to Him, it's not just a physical religious act, but a supernatural act. We're partaking in the supernatural. And God's spirit is then revealing things to our spirit. The Bible says the heart of man is the candle of the Lord. It's where God brings light. Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus, he says that God would, I pray that God would, would, would enlighten your heart, the eyes of your understanding, that you would come to know 
uh, God, that you'd come to know His goodness, that you'd come to know the inheritance that we have in the saints and the great calling with which God has called you. It's, it's something that you know much deeper than a knowledge that you can have from something that you learned in, in, you know, at university or, or just theoretically or philosophically. So the Bible says, who knows, in Corinthians it says, who knows the deep things of God? And who has looked into and discovered and explored the deep things of God other than the Spirit of God? Like who knows man more than what his Spirit knows him? Who knows you more than what you know you? So how can we know the deep things of God? How can we know His love? How can we know His grace? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has revealed those things to our spirits. So we get to know God, not theoretically, not religiously, but because His Spirit reveals something deep on the inside of us, something that we begin to believe about who God is as He reveals Himself to us. It says in Romans 8 verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit Himself, the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He speaks to your heart. He affirms your identity. He lets you know who you really are. So when God speaks to us, He speaks to our spirit man. And that's the part of you that's, that's eternal. That's the part of you, even though we can die physically, your spirit is eternal. It doesn't uh, live and die according to the times of this world. Have you ever thought about the fact then that when God said to Adam and Eve, uh, if you read the book of Genesis, uh, God said to them that you, can, that you can enjoy this entire garden. I want you to, to uh, go forth, to multiply, to fill the earth. He put a blessing on their lives. And he said, there's just one thing I want you not to do. I don't want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to be, to be tainted by that. And he gave them this command not to eat of that, of that tree and, uh, and, 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 and the reason why God said that to them is because He was protecting them. And I'm trying very hard not to go on a rabbit run here, but the reason why that tree had to be there is because if, if you don't have the opportunity to disobey, then obedience is nothing. If you don't have the, 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 the freedom to not love, then love means nothing. And so God had to give that choice, and He gave them a command. And, uh, and, and as you know, Adam and Eve, they, they sinned, and they sinned against God in that moment. And, and what God said to them would happen if they sinned is that they would die. But we know that they carried on living. <laughs> they didn't die. They didn't drop dead after sinning against God. Because the kind of death that God was talking about wasn't a physical death. It was a spiritual death. And what spiritual death is, it's when you get cut off from that life that was breathed into you. It's when you get separated from God through sin. It cuts off your ability to communicate with God. It cuts off your ability to know God and to grow in your faith and in your knowledge and to experience the goodness of God. It cuts off your, your eyesight. It blinds you to the truth. That's what sin does in our lives. And that same death that, that Adam and Eve experienced spread to all of us. We were born with the sin nature that will lead us to, to, to overstep God's boundaries and do the things that we don't even want to do. The stuff that we don't want to do, that's the stuff that we end up doing. And the things that we do want to do, we don't do because we are, without Christ, slaves to the sin nature that we have. And so, essentially what happened is, effectively, people were blinded 
to the truth about God, to the spiritual reality that exists. And they only live according to this physical reality. That's why Paul writes about people that don't know God, and he says their belly is their God. Whatever they, for some of you, you're like, yeah, that, I, maybe, I might fall into that category. Um, but, but what he's essentially saying is whatever they lust after, whatever they desire, whatever thing uh, you know, they feel will fulfill them, whatever thing is, is helping them to cover their insecurities, whatever they lust after in their life, that's what they worship. They worship those things. They'll give their time, their money, their effort. They'll harm themselves and the people around them to have those things because their belly is their God. They've been blinded to the reality that there is more to this world than what we perceive with our physical senses. They've been blinded to the goodness of God and His love and His grace. And when you tell, that's why often when you share your faith with people, honestly, and I can see it from their perspective, it sounds crazy. It sounds like we've all just, it's wishful thinking, and we've, we've bought into some religious system. And so when you share the gospel or the reality of God with unbelievers, oftentimes they'll look at you going, these guys are nuts. These Christians are crazy. They've been saying it about Christians since the moment we started sharing the gospel. And so it's always a difficult thing for me when people ask me, so what do you do? It's like, well, like, you know, I kind of uh, lead a church, um, you know, out there. And then they're like, oh, so you mean you're a pastor? And when they say that, it's either going to be a favorable or an unfavorable response. They're either like, okay, nice knowing you, bye. You know, and and I, ha- I have that often. People stop talking to me once they know that, I, that I'm a pastor. Um, and so when you're blinded to something and somebody shares this thing with you, it's, it's almost impossible for you to understand or perceive it. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 actually tells us this. It says, in their case, in the case of unbelievers, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. God is actually, uh, 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 one of our, the, what we do as a church is to bring light into situations where people have been blinded from the truth. Like it says, when Jesus arrived, it tells us that that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We as the church, our mandate, our mission is to bring that light to people who are sitting in darkness. Have you ever like been at home when the lights have tripped, when it's been load shedding? Kind of like every second day a while back. (laughs) I don't even have to ask that question in Joburg. Of course you have. But it's the craziest thing, because once the light goes out, you're just, you're helpless. What do do I do? And there have been times when I've been busy with something, and I've been watching TV, or I've been working, or I've been doing something, and then the lights go out, and then I'm like, okay, I'll just sit here. There's nothing else I can do right now, so I'll just sit here. And it's like that. People who don't know God, it's like, okay, I'm just sitting in this. There's nothing I can do to help myself. And this is where the light of the gospel comes in. The desire of, of the enemy is to keep people from seeing the gospel. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done for them. And so he's blinded their minds. But in 2 Corinthians 3, it tells us that in Christ, that veil is removed. In Christ, we're able to see again. He said, I came so that the blind would receive their sight. Now, you can, you can see that physically. Yes, Jesus does heal people, and he has healed people of blindness uh, f- uh, physically. But we're talking spiritually now. God 
heals, he sent Jesus to help those who could not see the spiritual reality to recover their sight, to be able to have faith in what is unseen. And so we're made alive together. When you put your faith in Christ, what happens is your body fills with the light of the knowledge of Jesus. Your spirit is awakened. You are reborn. That's where, what, what that comes in. And that was a term that Jesus used. That's not a Christian term. Jesus says, unless you are reborn, to come to life again, to have your spirit reconnected to God, and your body actually then becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit lives on the inside of you, dwells in the inside of you, communicates to you, speaks to you, encourages you, strengthens you. We're made alive together with Christ. And so if your faith is in Jesus today, then your spirit is alive and is able to communicate with God. We're talking about prayer. You've got to know what the basis is upon which you can talk to God. It's because you are spiritually alive. You're his child. He's rescued you and brought you into this new life. It says in Colossians 1.13, it says, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness, the power of darkness, the rulership of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We live in a new kingdom in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So now, as people who have come to faith in Jesus, as people who know the goodness of God, as people whose eyes have, have been enlightened, whose, whose hearts have been awakened. We do not operate according to the limitations of this physical world, right? We don't, we no longer see this physical reality as our defining factor. We don't live according to the perspectives or the, or the powers or the principles of this earth anymore, of this physical world. We live according to the kingdom of God. We live according to the Spirit of God. We live, those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. We're, we're led in a brand new way. We live in a whole new way now. No longer uh, just running after the physical things of this world, but being led by God's Spirit. And being led by God's Spirit always produces blessing. It always produces joy. It always produces power in our lives. That's what we get to experience as Christians now because of the grace of God. In fact, the word church, the original word for church is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. We've been called out of this world system, even though we live in it, we don't live according to it. Does that make sense this morning, what I'm sharing? We don't live according to this physical world. We are called out. We are a community, according to the world, the message Bible says, of misfits. We don't quite fit in. We're peculiar people. We love the people of this world, but we don't live according to the principles of the world. And what that gives us is the ability to see past the natural, to have spiritual vision and spiritual sight and understanding and revelation and wisdom that we can, that we can know the will of God and that we can act on the will of God and on the leading of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, it says, so we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. We, listen to that, we look at things that are unseen. You do that through faith. For the things which are seen are temporal. All of this is, is just temporary. But the things which are unseen are eternal. Your body in its form right now is temporary, but your spirit is eternal. 
What we see around us here, all, all of these flowers will fade and all of these things will be done away with, but what exists supernaturally and spiritually will endure eternally. 1 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15 says, but the natural man, the person who just lives in the natural, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. It sounds foolish to people that live in the natural when you speak about spiritual things. It's absurd and illogical to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are only spiritually discerned and appreciated. And he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters, has no insight on it. But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, which means he questions, examines, and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. And so people often judge when they judge Christians, when they judge us, they judge what they do not know. They comment on things they have no knowledge of because they're unable in the natural to perceive the spiritual. They're unable to know what it is when we talk about, when we talk about the love of God, it's not a concept that we, that we found in a, in a philosophy book somewhere. We've experienced the spiritual reality of God's love in our lives. And so if you come to me and you tell me God's love does not exist, does not exist. I know that you're talking about something you have no knowledge of because I'm able to spiritually experience the love and the goodness and the grace of God in my own life. And so what this means is that when Jesus came and died for us on the cross, he took us from living natural lives only to being able to perceive things spiritually and live in the supernatural, to live supernatural lives. Lives where our only concern isn't just getting ahead in this world, but understanding the true spiritual significance of things and the role that we get to play in eternal matters. That's the kind of life that we get to live. So what is Satan's greatest weapon then against us right now? What is the thing that Satan can do to hinder you from walking in the Spirit? It's to rob you of perspective. It's to rob you of your spiritual sight by conditioning you to the status quo of this natural world. In other words, he doesn't want you to go to gym. <laughs> he doesn't want you to exercise that faith muscle that helps your body to, to learn to respond quickly to challenges by going to God in prayer, by responding in faith, by, by walking in the fullness of what you know the gospel has declared over your life. If he can get you to think naturally, the battle for your soul, the battle for, for your experience in this world is in the mind. And he will bring these thoughts against you. You're just natural. God doesn't hear you when you pray. Uh, you know, all that there really is is this. There's nothing after you die. All of these kinds of doubts will bring, he'll bring to you to cause you to lose perspective. He wants us to be thinking in natural ways. And he did it with Jesus. If he did it with Jesus, why wouldn't he do it with us? He took Jesus, who's literally the Son of God, up onto a hillside and said, look at all of these kingdoms of the earth. I'm struggling to straighten my arm because of the gym, so forgive me. Look at these, um, look at these kingdoms of the earth. If you bow down and worship me, he is telling the Son of God to bow down and worship him, the God of this world. And then he says, I'll give you all of these things. And, and Jesus is, he just goes, no. I understand spiritually that my father is the creator of heaven and earth, and I am his son. 
Why would I bow down and worship you for these earthly things? Jesus could resist the temptation because he knew the spiritual truth. He knew who his father was. He knew what the gospel was. But it highlights how what the enemy will do to your life is get you to think in the natural. And what we don't even realize, and this is where people can be so proud of their natural thinking, but we don't even realize that that natural thinking has been conditioned by this world. We've been told what to value. It's been dictated to us. People think that they're free and they're independent. They're slaves to what has been dictated to them. If you look at what societies value, it's so plain to see that as generations change, that their values are dictated to them by a worldly system. It's not something that's truly from the inside. So what the Bible calls us to do is to renew our minds. If you don't want to conform to the pattern of this world, you need to renew your mind. You need to change the way that you think. And this is why prayer and speaking to God and communicating with God is not some earthly religious process, but it's a natural, supernatural activity that we engage in. It is a heartfelt communication with God that is based on what we know to be true. And it becomes to us, the supernatural becomes to us as believers as, as, as natural as breathing. It's, it's what we do. We live in the Spirit. It's the world that we live in. And so this is how we exercise our faith. Prayer helps us to exercise our faith. Prayer helps us to stretch those muscles, to, to change our thinking, to renew our minds, to focus on Jesus, to fix our eyes on Him as the author and the finisher of our, of our faith. And it allows us to no longer be conditioned by the status quo of this natural world. We don't want to be conditioned by the couches of society and the, the fast food of this natural, physical world. Otherwise, you'll find yourself struggling to act and walk in faith. We don't want to be clones of a system, robots that are being told how to live. And that's why the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's so that we can experience truth and love and life and God and walk according to the the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is how we exercise our faith. So that scripture that I read in the beginning, my final scripture this morning, Hebrews eleven four, it says, by faith, by this inherent trust, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of that which is visible. By faith, we understand that everything that exists, exists because God spoke it into being. And so if you have a need in your life, if you need God to do a supernatural, creative miracle in your life, and you start off by going, I know He loves me, and I know that everything that exists already exists because He created it, why would He not be able to do this in my life? It causes you to see supernaturally, to live in the Spirit, and to be able to walk that out. And I feel like this is, and I'm just going to throw this in here, but I feel like this is a dividing line. 
I feel like people are happy to hang out at church and to kind of come to church and kind of, you know, but there are certain things when you speak a truth, a truth is, is, is by nature exclusive in the sense that if two plus two equals four, it doesn't equal three. And so if this is true, then it means that other things are not true. And so this is the kind of thing where people go, oh, I'm happy to hang out around church, and I'm happy if they're helping people, and I think it's good to have community, whatever, and you go, but there is a spiritual reality, and they go, whoa, okay. It's normally a watershed moment. Because the natural man cannot perceive the things of the Spirit. It's foolishness to him. But when you understand it, you know that it is wisdom. It is truth. God causes the wisdom of man to be foolishness. And so my prayer for our church is that we wouldn't walk in the natural, that we wouldn't live just according to the natural stimulus that we have in our everyday lives, but that we would be people of faith who see spiritually the reality of God's love and the reality of His call on our lives. And when we are in need or when we are in trouble, that we would supernaturally just act and speak to God, that we would trust Him in every moment of our lives and live these supernatural lives that God has called us to live. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't skip gym. (laughs) Come to church. Make sure that you are growing those muscles. Join a connect group. Get involved with an area that challenges you spiritually. It's not always fun. (laughs) Gym is not always fun. But the rewards are so great. And That's what we want to encourage you to do. The more you trust in God, the more you'll see how true He really is, and the more you'll be able to live naturally supernatural lives. That's why we pray. That's how we have authentic prayer. Next week, I'm going to chat a little bit about overcoming anxiety through prayer by looking a little bit at what the power of prayer really is. So uh, we're just enjoying this series. We're taking it week by week, and and God is leading us as we go. Um, But I hope that you're encouraged this morning, and I hope that there's something in you that desires to see more in the supernatural, more in the spirit, and live according to the spirit than just in this physical world. So um, let's let's go ahead and, and pray together right now.